And this thing with the UK track and trace using an Excel spreadsheet to capture the data was like so funny. Uh, so it's actually big news because it like added something stupid like 22,000 new infections. Like overnight. How to screw your entire economy over an Excel spreadsheet, you know? It's the kind of thing that would happen in South Africa. <laughs> Welcome to the 100th episode of the Overclocked ZA podcast. Thank you for joining us. I am Lindsay Shooters, and I'm joined as always by Gavin Dudley. And Gavin, I have a 3,000 Rand phone in my hands, and you, Ooh. the 3,000 Rand phone guru, <laughs> and you have nothing good to say about it. Why? Oh, now, you know, I mean, I'm always advocating for competitors and more competitors in the workplace. It would be great if we had more mobile network providers, for one thing. But right now, what we have is lots of handset providers. And Techno is one of those that's been, like, fighting to make way in this market. And, I mean, they, these gift boxes they sent us out with these Spark 5s, it was all very impressive. Um, I just am not very impressed with the phone. There's no other way to say it, you know. And Why? I mean, Why I'm, not, I'm waiting, I thought it was I'm waiting for you to dig below the surface. You way more <laughs> fussy than me, way more fussy than me. Okay. And you can be positively cruel about people's technology when you oh, don't yes, dig I it. Can. I, yes, I can. Yes, I can. This has actually so, come to haunt me in my professional life. Right. Yeah. As, as it should, it's a good sign. It's a good sign. It's a sign of journalistic <laughs> integrity that still I'm, glimmers. You know. I'm just impressed that, that people still consider me to be as influential as, as they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you influence me. <laughs> so there is that. Okay. So the Spark 5, I mean, the big call out on this was five cameras. Now, 5,000 milliamp hour battery. I think there was yeah. another five here somewhere. Yeah. So when I look on the back, I see these four sensors, and there's, of course, one sensor on the front. But have you dug into what these four sensors on the back actually do? Um, and so there's not a whole lot. <laughs> there's a two-megapixel um, macro camera, which is hilarious. Right. Um, exactly. And, yeah, there's, there's not much going it's, on it's there. The thing. I mean, there's a, there's a two-megapixel or something, a time-of-flight sensor, which is not technically a camera well, in the first place. Sensor. Yeah, it's not right. technically a camera. It's a camera assistant, you know. Yes, and, and, and then there's, uh, yeah. The other one, I think, is a wide angle. I mean, it's, it yes, just it's, doesn't it feel like five one. cameras in the first place. And in the second place, it's exactly what every other phone has, and, and in some respects, less. Okay, so I don't want to beat them up over it. But, but the problem so, is that the performance of the cameras have also not been great for me, I have to say. The least bit of low light, if you don't have broad sunlight, it immediately starts struggling, which I'm not impressed with. What have so you got? You, you, you haven't experienced these deficiencies on a sub-3000 Rand device before? Not at all. Uh, and my measure for this is the Nokia 2 series and the Nokia 3 series, which feel like 10,000 Rand phones when you're using them, from the build yeah. quality to the performance to the screen quality. Yeah, I mean, uh, screen quality is so-so, uh, um, but I'm having slowdowns on absolutely everything. I'm, I'm always reluctant to start apps. Of RAM. Yeah, so, I mean, that must be the reason. Okay, so I'm reluctant to start an app because I've got to wait three or four seconds for things to appear on the screen every single time. It's driving me bananas. That so doesn't I, happen with any phone below. I do not review phones. I rarely review phones sub 5,000 and... Don't really review phones sub 3,000. So I just thought this was par for the course, bro. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this is unusual, unusually bad. Yeah. I'm okay. To keep my, myself in the mind of a consumer who is only spending 3,000 Rand on a phone right. and wants something brand new and is intrigued by the bluest phone I've ever seen in my entire life. It's like I have to, I give it to them. Techno are great on how they color their phones. I have to say, this one's got a really nice shade of blue, and the patterning is marvelous. It's got like a, what do we call it? Like a sun radial beam effect coming out of the back. And the model I tested before this, which is the, what's it called with the C? Kmon. The Kmon 12 had even more cool coloring on the back than this. Unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> which is why we hesitate to pronounce it. The Kmon 12. <laughs> um, yeah. On 12 um, what? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a conversation we had because um, 
you were mousing off about it on WhatsApp in a little text discussion between the two of us. And I was like, but isn't that just MediaTek, bro? Like, and yeah. you're like, no, but MediaTek is awesome. And I'm like, and then I put it to you, um, which MediaTek processor has performed as well as a Qualcomm processor of the same generation? Okay, so just for the listeners, the context is that Qualcomm is the sort of the giant of the mobile chip world. They basically equip everyone's phones and they are they're the Mercedes or whatever of the chip world. And they make chips at all different speeds, but their top chips go into the top phones and so on and so on. MediaTek is, I don't know, who, what are we going to call MediaTek? Um, not quite Toyota. They're more like a Mazda, let's say. Okay, MediaTek wow. is more of a Mazda. Okay, no, maybe it's a Ford. Okay, it's a Ford. Okay, <laughs> you, you can help the, help the listeners out here, Brew. Okay, so MediaTek, so they're a very significant player. And of course, they sell a lot of chips because they're cheap and they're reliable and they're stable and they do the job. And as a result, I have a lot of experience with MediaTek because they are what powers most of the mid-range phones. And the MediaTek P70 in particular was our hero from last year. So I don't know, um, Qualcomm versus MediaTek, there are two or three other players, but these are the two main players that power all the phones in the world. They each come with their own sort of graphic subsystem. Qualcomm's is called Adreno and MediaTek is called Mali, which was well, the Mali real conflict ARMs. we were having. Um, yes, Mali true, true. ARMs, like, like OEM kind of graphic right. package. Because, yeah, when they make those, those SOCs, at least when they design the cores, they design the SOCs as well with the GPU in, in the package. So then what Qualcomm does is... What an SOC is, it's system on a chip. That means it's the processor and the graphics together in one little chip, yeah. Yeah, so then what Qualcomm does is they only license the CPU cores and then they add in their own graphics, which is Adreno. And like Apple will do the same, but Apple kind of only licenses the the instruction set um, and not the actual cores. So they build their own cores and their own graphics and everything. So like Samsung uses the Mali graphics and that has always been like the tragic flaw of this <laughs> chipset. <laughs> okay. In fact, that's what powered Lindsay's favorite product from last year, the S10e. That's the small uh, Samsung flagship from last year. I had a Mali in it. So I'm quite surprised to hear that he's anti-Mali. Okay. No, no you see, I, I'm only anti-Mali when it comes to like high performance gaming. Okay, sure. High performance tasks. Like I know the limitations of their chipset. So if I see premium prices on it, like there needs to be other things about the device that okay. can justify the, 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 the pricing. All Where right. If you all playing at like the same level, like look at, interestingly enough, the next generation of, of MediaTek, like their top end, it's called the Dimensity 1100. Dimensity chips. Um, In the US, the T-Mobile variant of the LG Velvet Mm. runs with the MediaTek chip and the the Mali graphics versus the, everybody else has the, um, what's it, the Qualcomm, it's the the 765G. Which is the, 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 the one of the top from last year? Yeah, it's the mid-range 5G chip um, that's, that's okay. going to everything, including the new um, pixels as well. And okay. yeah, those those that MediaTek chipset that is beating the Qualcomm on various um, benchmarks and like graphics specifically is 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 quite a beating. <laughs> yeah, so this is the the equivalent in the mobile chip world of what's going on in the PC world with. AMD and Intel, where AMD is the, uh, what do you call them, the, the rough and ready underdog, and they're taking on the incumbent at the top and doing a very good job of showing them up. MediaTek mm. is having those moments with Qualcomm, but Qualcomm is still the 80-pound, 800-pound gorilla in the room kind of thing, you know? Yeah. 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 So when, you, when you're shopping at the premium and you're getting into the Snapdragon 800 series, um, yeah, Qualcomm's not seeding any ground to MediaTek, but Sure. Now in this new premium mid-range series, like the 700, uh, the 700 Snapdragon series, those Dimensity chips are coming back swinging. 
And that leads us to, I'm glad you mentioned AMD because they have another battle that they're fighting and that's in the graphics processing space. It's Radeon versus NVIDIA GeForce. And NVIDIA yeah. had a lovely little conference yesterday. Um, just, just kind of stomping all over their newly acquired ARM. Uh, okay, well, I would have to say, yeah, this um, battle is the equivalent of this Qualcomm MediaTek uh, Mali versus Adreno problem. Um, because the, the, um, the AMD graphics processors are perfectly good and scrappy and getting there, but they don't really stand up. They don't go toe-to-toe with an NVIDIA graphics chip, I have to say. So mm. they, they're scrappy underdogs at the moment. And, you know, they show little glimmers of greatness, but they can't, in my opinion, go toe-to-toe with NVIDIA. Although I always like to back the scrappy underdog, NVIDIA rules the roost, yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah, um, but NVIDIA is acquiring ARM right now, who make all the instructions and the cores for all these mobile chips. Um, and now NVIDIA is trying to... So ARM is a UK company, and NVIDIA are, are pleading with everybody to say that all of the IP will remain in the UK. And now they are building, they are pledged to build the UK's biggest, fastest supercomputer, and it's going to be focused on healthcare research. And that is probably them trying to cozy up to the UK lawmakers to get this deal over the line. Yeah, it's a major PR exercise, because what's really going on on a global scale is that all IP for microchips is ending up in the US. This is a bad, bad situation for the world at large, where we know that microchips are going to be the oil of you know, the next few decades, at least, if not mm. the foreseeable future. If all that IP ends up in the US, it's precisely the kind of thing that turns them into a superpower. And they've quietly gone about acquiring all that IP. So we've run through the five or six biggest chip companies. They're all US companies. Uh, ARM was a really important uh, piece of IP outside of the US, which is now being drawn into the US. So we have Intel, AMD, Qualcomm. I don't know. I think MediaTek is like Singaporean or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. But yeah. ARM um, is the underlying IP for all these mobile chips. Um, NVIDIA, I think, is also largely ARM-based. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now that they, they're starting to like turn everything into a graphics processing unit, um, yeah. I think they made the switch with the Xavier, the Xavier processors, um, which were kind of specifically made for like smart cars and stuff. Um, and then mm-hmm. they ported that whole R&D into data centers. So like their new data centers are just like massive um, GeForce. NVIDIA was synonymous with graphics processors. Then some clever clogs worked out how to use those for Bitcoin mining. And from there, yeah. NVIDIA discovered, wait a minute, we can tap into this huge data center market. So they started much more actually, aggressively it, doing it that. It was actually the, the AI um, revolution that, that got them. Because then they, right, they started to right. realize that, that all you need for like, rapid AI adoption is like hardware acceleration and what are graphics processing units? They just hardware accelerators. (laughs) And in the future, remember, we're looking at a future of server-side gaming where a lot less heavy lifting will be done on your client-side devices. All Mm. the heavy computation will be done at the server end. And obviously, NVIDIA sees that future coming where it's not going to be selling masses of high-end graphics cards to end users. It's going to be equipping server farms to run the games at that level. So that's a very good move for what they're doing, plotting out their future. But my original point was that all this IP for chip manufacturing is ending up in the U.S. What we think of as Chinese chips or South Korean chips are all reliant on U.S. designs. This is how, for example, Trump could cut Huawei off from making its own Kirin processes because it's withholding the IP required to make the Kirin processes. And um, Samsung could suffer the same fate if they were to, you know, cross a line somewhere with the US. And in fact, the whole world is is being held. Well, that's what Huawei thought until it accidentally stumbled into a wrong spot. So, um, you know, we're looking at, at the US holding way too much power in the future of the world if they hang on to all that chip IP. But okay, I think we've beaten that subject to death a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about subjects that have been beaten to death, um, I'm very, very, very tired 
of people claiming that their WhatsApps are getting hacked. Because I see yeah. a wonderful Minister of Communications <laughs> sent out some comments <laughs> to say that oh, the man. WhatsApp is set. Stella under Benny Abrams is becoming like who was the Minister of, of uh, Public Grants thing who everyone just loved to hate. And before that, Ivy Matsepe Kasaburi, which everyone just loved to hate. Stella under Benny Abrams is becoming that person because she keeps misstepping left and right. And when something goes wrong, she invariably finds a way to make it worse. So I would be happy to see the back of her, frankly. It would make her probably the 17th telecommunications minister we've had in a couple of years. You know? <laughs> OK, so sorry, that, I, cut you, I cut you off. Keep going. No, no, no worries. Um, so like other news in, in the comms space is that Postbank is now being unbundled from the post office, which is weird. I don't understand why they would do that. And then on Tuesday, she said that government is pressing ahead with a plan to merge state-owned enterprises, broadband Infraco and Centec to form new infrastructure company. Do we care about this? Well, we do. Centec, Centec was the company, is the company that manages... Was, I think it's the right <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me put it in context. Centec is the company that manages all the high mast aerials that send out FM radio signals and all that kind of thing. Centec runs those antennas for the, for the SABC. That was its core function. And then somewhere in the 90s, they started an internet division. I forget what its name was, but that internet division was relatively short-lived and its subscribers were ultimately acquired by one of the big internet companies. So Centec has played in the internet space before. Did it on WiMAX though? Uh, yeah, and frankly, I was betting on WiMAX too. WiMAX was Wi-Fi done on a wide area level. In other words, coverage equivalent to the cellular network, except it would work like Wi-Fi. It was Ellen called WiMAX. Bosch had coverage up, and I think they were the last to switch off, which was okay. like probably five years ago. I mean, wouldn't you all like to have Wi-Fi coverage that works like the cellular network? Of course you would. Why it didn't it, work, I do not know. It was just super slow and non-profitable. <laughs> well, it could have been it could have been fast enough if we put the R&D into it. Anyway, so Broadband Infraco, which is the other name you mentioned, is what the uh, the government is calling its uh, wholesale internet providing service is Broadband Infraco. So that allows the government to hold on to all its uh, telecom infrastructure cables in the ground, but also a whole lot of bandwidth frequencies it allows the government to hold on to those as national assets and create a government internet service provider to generate income for the country. And then everybody else will have to buy. So, you know, MWeb, AfriHost, all these people will have to buy bandwidth from the government network. Uh, and in fact, the mobile operators, Vodacom, Celsi, everyone else, is also obliged to buy a certain amount of infrastructure from the government internet service provider, whose name is Broadband Infraco. Now, mm. the Benny Abrams announces that Broadband, Infraco, and Centec, the mast operator people, are being formed into a new company, which will be called the State Digital Infrastructure Company. Mm. Oh, really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just let you do that whole thing so I could do that punchline. Now. Oh, that's great. Stick. State <laughs> Digital Infrastructure Company. Excellent. Yeah, stick it to them, guys. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> It could be the greatest thing ever, or it could be a recipe for a complete disaster, actually. I you know, think certain things prefer to be privatized. And yeah, I hear what yeah. you're saying. On the like, other hand, you know, the underserved. What about the underserved? The reason yeah. networks don't roll out to these people is because they don't have any money, you know. In that Listen, way, I, we can't just I, have free markets. I am you know? hopeful that this little rain tower that I'm connected to is getting its 5G signal in the very near future. And I'm almost convinced that 5G is imminent for the little Vodacom tower also in my neighborhood um, because ah. the speeds have trebled. Now, um, what, did we, what did we learn about 5G in these, like, this last week, Lindsay? What did we learn? Did we not learn something about the SIM card or something? Um, no. Yes, my number has now been provisioned for 5G. So the next time I go to Canal Walk, packing the Vivo X50 Pro, which I've received a new unit that focuses properly now, and the camera. Oh, really? Yes, yes. Damn. Um, so hang on. Have they acknowledged that there was a technical problem? 
Um, I haven't acknowledged I it. I just sent you a new one. I did check out, I did cross-reference with other journalists mm. um, and have identified my review unit as being faulty because everybody else is like getting these beautifully focused, like beautiful pictures, like sharply focused, and I'm just getting like a blurry mess. And even if okay. I go into like the pro mode and I play around with the manual focus, like it's like the motor just doesn't work. Okay, now I'm I'm sorry. I have this habit of like interrupting you and diverting you. It's quite in, it's quite easy to to divert you though. I must say. So hang on. We were just discussing the Vodacom five G, which yes. we now we're we're going back to test it one more time, right? Yes. And so, so I mean, it so turns I'm, out that I'm after saying. all the stores we went into, no one told us we needed to be provisioned, right? Isn't that what happened? Exactly. This is this is like preposterous. Like, how can you not? And we don't want to throw these poor managers of these voter shops under the bus. But yeah. how can you not train your staff at like the? We went to a couple of premium locations, right? Yeah. And spoke yep. to and spoke to like those managers of the store there. Senior management. Was, yeah. It was never mentioned that this provisioning needs to happen. And yeah, I'm I'm frankly a bit disappointed in Vodacom, but I will give them a second chance. Um, because I'm not moving from their service anytime soon. And thank you very much to the executive who assisted me with getting my number provision for 5G. See, it's possible that we are the outliers. The, almost every other consumer will have to buy that 5G handset. And it's probably at that point that they set up the provisioning. You know, we just got sent the 5G handsets, you know, via a backwards route. Yeah. So we probably messed up their system. It's quite possible that if you were buying a 5G handset, this would all happen automatically. Possibly. Mm. But then MTN just yeah. immediately for you. Yeah, that's right. When we just turned it on. Although, remember, our speeds were not that great. It's quite possible that there's some kind of a bottleneck. And if we did go through a provisioning process, maybe our speed would improve. I'm going to explore that route now that we've gone down this rabbit hole with Vodacom. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that is the tip for this week. If you're getting a 5G device, and you're not changing your SIM card or getting a new number with it or getting a new contract with it, please go to your network provider and ask them to provision your number for 5G service. Okay, now, I mean, I distracted you as you were warming to your theme on the Vivo X50 Pro phone. Ah, Just tell us, tell so, us some more about your experience there. The X50 Pro. Outside, so I've been trying to, like, review it as a phone and not a camera until they could sort out a situation where they could send me something different um, so mm. that I could have the, the, the full experience. But for 19,000 Rand to not have the convenience of wireless charging, to not have the convenience of like USB 3.0 at least or video out, like yeah. usable video out, um, a premium price a on a mid range device is never a good thing. I don't care how good your camera is. Yeah, and it has a glass back. So in theory, it's not like it has a metal back that would prevent the wireless charging. It has a glass back, so they could have done the wireless charging. Yeah. But they, they decided to spend all of their money on putting this gimbal, which is really interesting when you like have the camera on and you shake the phone around at the back. Um, yeah. But yes, man, like there's so, like there's just so many things that they did for the sake of it. Like, let's um, just make this phone super thin for the sake of it. Yeah. Can, can I just check something about the gimbal? For those who don't know what a gimbal is, it allows the lens, well, the lens and the sensor to float inside the body so that it can remain level and doesn't bounce around like you're bouncing around when you're holding the phone, say, you know. But is it is it your understanding that the gimbal is primarily for shooting video? Is that right? Because that's the only time you're going to notice shake, really, right? Uh, yes, and it will allow you some more, um, it, it will allow like slower shutter speeds. Yeah, um, so dark dark shots, so night night modes and low light shots, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah that you can do handheld, which is great. I mean, the stabilization is excellent. Oh, um, really? I did, okay. I did run around with my dog a little bit. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's quite impressive. But yeah, it's the raw quality is not up there with the likes of, like, what are you paying at that price now? You're getting a, a S20 fan edition, you know? And <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other story, that. <laughs> I, I think we dealt with that a bit last week, eh? I think so. Yes, yeah. we did. It's, it's, it's the S20 with a plastic back and a different 
Okay, let's not dig it up again. (laughs) I wanted to go away quietly. I'm hoping that the price of 17,000 Rand for that cut down S20, uh, was it 19,000 Rand? No, it's 17,000 Rand for a cut down S20. I'm hoping that's their their go away price. You know, I'm not going to say the rude word. It's their, their look, take it or leave it kind of price. They're not counting on selling too many of them. Who knows? Because we think it's too expensive. Okay, but we don't have to dwell on that. Um, so your experience yeah, with the Vivo um, X50 Pro, you're going to give it a star rating so far out of five stars. What are you giving it? Uh, so three. far. A three. That's not so very far. generous so, of you. It's not particularly no, generous of you. Because, okay, so here's, here's the other thing. So I, I use now when I'm not using like the Samsung phone or something else or an Apple phone where I use the stock emails because I don't like the other stock email apps from other people. Like LG's right. is okay sometimes. Um, uh-huh. So I use Outlook. And won't this phone tell me that Outlook is using excessive battery? And it's like, <laughs> what, 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 90 hertz display is still on and you haven't went like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I want my 90 hertz display. That's what you paid for. That's what I'm going to hammer on. <laughs> Like, oh, don't use yeah. your third-party apps, yes, sir. They are. Yeah, Badly yeah. Are. But please leave the 90 hertz display on. <laughs> yeah, jeez, oh, man, freaking 90 hertz display. Um, yeah. Okay. High refresh displays are going to be the death of me, Gavin. They are going. Yeah, to we are going to. We're going to pick that one apart it. next it's time. I think. It with other tech journalists as well. Mm. It's like like this candy that everybody's addicted to now. And I'm not. <laughs> just like, because you are, are sensible, and that is why you are the co-host of the Overclock ZA podcast. That's right. And, and they don't have any. They don't have any 120 hertz displays below 6,000 rand. So I never really see them. Did <laughs> but we've we've got into the weeds there. Um, right. Techno Spark Five. I'm going to give it. I will give it a solid two and a half because Jeez, and the half where it comes from. The transition, the holding company, um, they have committed to like stock Android, which is good and bad. Because good, it gives you ambient mode uh, assistant. And I will explain to you what ambient mode is after Gavin gives his score for the Techno Spark 5. Oh, gosh. No, I mean, I don't want Over to pan the thing. I mean, the problem with techno in the first place is they have a habit of introducing crapware onto the phone. Crapware is software you didn't ask for, which they insert into the phone. And it's hugely intrusive in the case of techno. They've got all sorts of apps running in the background, using up resources, sending you messages that you don't want, announcements for things. It's almost like being exposed to a stream of advertising. It's truly horrible. They've got to fix this problem. I can't even find a way to switch it off. I've been trying to switch it off, but it completely like destroys your experience with the phone. I wish they would figure that out. And unfortunately, that colored my experience because in my mind, this is what was making this phone slow, that it's running all these background processes that I didn't ask for. But, you know, the slowness was just so noticeable. You start an app, the screen just goes blank while you wait for your app to appear. That just doesn't happen on any of the recent entry-level phones well below 3,000 Rand that I've used. That just doesn't happen. So they need to figure out what the hell is going on. Everything is slow. You know, every, every web page seems to take longer to open. Even the scrolling of your WhatsApp seems to like pause for thought. It might well be about the RAM. I don't think it's just about the processor. It's about the RAM, but I feel like it's certainly made worse by all the crapware that's running in the background. So I'm afraid out of five stars, I'm also going to go with two and a half and I think I'm being a little generous there, but I'm going to give him two and a half. Mm. Okay, so ambient mode um, is adopted from the Google Home Hub, which is kind of like the Google Home speaker with a screen on it. Um, and when it's just sitting there and not doing anything, it will flick through an album that you've designated, like in Google Photos, and it'll give you like your weather updates and maybe like a notification about your your upcoming like calendar events and that sort of thing. And that's a very nice kind of dashboard to have when your phone is sitting and charging and not doing anything so that you're not tempted to like pick up your phone and look at it like all the time. Um, So yeah, I'm a big lover of ambient mode. I wish it were on more devices. 
Um, but yeah, Nokia, Techno phones, and like Pixel phones all have. Can it, can it not be just added in as a downloadable add, uh, add-on app or upgrade to existing Google Assistant? No. Uh, no, it, it's, it's definitely in how you treat um, Google. So you, oh, you need I to see. like buy okay. into certain like stock features. Um, like like you'll see, besides for like the crap where everything is pretty much stock Android. It's just like mm. Android open source. It's just like they they've 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 changed the look of it, but everything's still in the same place. So like the volume slider is the same, the app draw is the same. Yeah, like sure. Everything. I mean But I'm not a big fan of, of stock stock Android. You seem to be, Kevin. Yes, I really am. And I can't wait for my old Nokia from last year to get the Android 11 upgrade. I'm assuming it will be one of the first to get the Android 11 upgrade because it's running stock standard Android, which is the selling point for me of all Nokia phones, frankly. Um, so here's the thing, Gavin. Today, hmm. today we are recording this on the 7th of October. The Oppo A72 is going on sale for a handsome price of 7,000 Rand in South Africa. And Oppo, hmm. when Android 11 was announced, were first of the, the third-party manufacturers to come out and say that they they were starting their beta, the Android 11 beta for ColorOS Color OS mm. 11, um, and their full portfolio will be updated to Android 11, um, their full 2020, 2019 and 2020 portfolio. Wow. Um, pretty much as soon as it comes out. So That's yeah, a lot of phones. I mean, that's like over a dozen phones. That's impressive. Yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely. So we're getting... Like they, they, it's very confusingly named as, as the, the A series because another big manufacturer has has an A series as well. Um, yeah. Samsung. Uh, but the A seventy two is like mid range to the max. But I'm wondering if the seven thousand rand is the magic price for a phone. Yeah, I think it is actually. I think at seven thousand rand, depending of course on how you shop, you're getting the right yeah. entry-level product without too many corners cut. So you're getting a decent-sized battery, you're getting enough processing power, you're getting a big enough screen of high enough resolution. I think 7,000 Rand should be where most people should be shopping. Even those who think they just need a basic phone for 3,000 Rand should consider extending themselves and then grow into the capabilities of a 7,000 Rand phone. That's my feeling. Yeah, so maybe 6,000, 7,000. Yeah, so you're looking at about 400 rand on contract um, at this mm. price point um, right. over 24 months. So, yeah, you're looking at, what's it, Huawei P40 Lite. Um, you can get some of the Xiaomi's in that price bracket. Yeah, Even the, Xiaomi Redmi, the Xiaomi Redmi Note series is for us the winner in that price band, okay? The Xiaomi phone's not so easy to find. You can buy them directly from the Xiaomi South Africa sort of website, which is called Mobile in Africa. But Xiaomi is the winner in that 7,000 Rand category because their equivalent phones cost like 5,000 Rand, but they do everything and mm. better than the 7,000 Rand phones. So the Samsung equivalent, I think, is an A510, isn't it? Um, the A52, isn't it? A52, oh, 52, what did I call it? Yeah. 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 That, um, that would be about yeah, so seven. That's Samsung. And if you are shopping the Apple portfolio, you have to reach up to 9,000 Rand, which is now the going rate for the iPhone SE. So you're also getting like a, a decent device there, but yeah, you're Sorry, moving up towards like... Is yeah. that this year's SE? That's a 2020 SE? Yeah, the, the 2020 SE. Okay, is nine. So that's yeah. your entry point to the Apple world. That's your entry point for 64 gigs of storage, which is still okay. better than the... <laughs> Which is no, still twice as much as you're getting on the Spark 5. Let's not abuse the poor listeners with our, our travails <laughs> and our ongoing conflict. Okay. Can I... episode, Gavin. You're right. You're right, eh? Jeez, it is. It out. It's centennial. <laughs> and so far, it's been nothing but phones, though. Can I introduce one other product into the mix here? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, in fact, there are two products. No, iPods. No, 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 no. Don't even go there. We'll get to that. We'll get to that later. But I want to bring up two products uh, because they just surprised me. And it's so rarely these days I get surprised in a good way. You know, um, Xiaomi, big Chinese firm, huge all over the world and very big in wearables. But the Xiaomi wearables have never come to South Africa. 
And if you look closer into it, you'll see that the company that brings Xiaomi phones into South Africa is the same company that brings in Fitbit. So there's probably some kind of conflict of interest. And as a result, they've never brought in the Xiaomi fitness bands, which are really, really good. So I've got my hands on a Xiaomi band Mi 5. The 5 is the important part to look for there, the Xiaomi band Mi 5, which is running away with me at this point, so to speak, inverted commas, um, air quotes, um, because it is by far and away the best uh, affordable band I've ever used. Really nice color screen and a whole lot of other things. At first, I was like, oh, it's really hard working with this, but it grew on me really quickly. And um, I'm actually looking up the price now because I failed to look up the price ahead of time. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's like a thousand rand, a thousand rand for this entry level tracker, which has really blown my socks off. So if you're looking to gift someone around Christmas time, the Xiaomi Band Mi 5 is a really, really good entry level tracker. It does a whole lot of things. Excellent battery life. 14 days if you're smart about it. Nice color display of a decent size. You can actually see everything. Great heart tracking, great sleep tracking. The app could use a bit of work. But the Xiaomi Band Mi 5 is, for me, the winning entry-level tracker at the moment. Um, and that's for like 800 Rand, which is like for nothing. It's a great gift, really. And then I want but to talk about one other... You, Sorry? It won't get you vitality points. It won't get I you vitality points. I actually don't know. Not at the moment, no. But then again, if you're buying an entry-level tracker, you might just have to forfeit those vitality points because you're not going to be doing much anyway. <laughs> you know, you're going to be the kind of person who's a 7,000 steps a day person. You're not a serious I'm sure runner. Huawei will have a, a device to, to catch you with at, at that price that will net you a couple of vitality points. Yes, they do. Uh, and I've actually reviewed one or two of them. And they really were very good. But this Xiaomi took me by surprise because for 800 Rand, nothing competes with it. You know, your entry-level yeah. Fitbit now is like 3,000 Rand or something. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. Fitbit, I mean, you, you, you're paying for a beautiful app experience <laughs> yeah no undeniably the app experience on fitbit and and uh, one or two others and and uh, garmin is very good yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah, huawei actually have a new thing out which is called the huawei watch fit and it kind of looks like an elongated apple watch um, yes. with one button on the side except for that crown i'm not finding a price right now but you carry on with with the other one that you were going to say Okay, yeah, now power banks. Man, power banks are just very boring. They do one thing, there's almost no actual electronics in them, you know, there's just a battery basically in a plastic box with some plugs. You know, power banks are boring essentially. And then I got surprised by this power bank that I got from a company called Anker, A-N-K-E-R, Anker. And this is the power core 13,000. The thing with this is, the whole power bank is about the size of two matchboxes put together. So it's really pretty small, but it has 13,000 milliamp hours in there. Your typical phone has got maybe four, 4,500 milliamp hours. This has got 13,000 milliamp hours in something the size of two matchboxes placed side by side. Very impressive. Then on top of that, it's got two USB out, which is fine because most power banks like that have got like a one amp and a two amp. The two amp is what you use for fast charging and you use it for tablets and things like that. The one amp is to trickle charge small devices. The Anker Power Core 13,000 yeah. has got two three amp out power. So really superb. Um, so it's got super fast charging, super high density battery in a very portable package. And I'm now quickly looking up the price for you because again, I failed to look up the price. And it's a really nice yeah, finish. Yeah, sorry, I'm I'm failing to find the price here. I'm still looking. Excuse me. So the Huawei Watch Fit is yours for three thousand rand on the Huawei Store, which is um, HuaweiStore.co.za, and you get a free Huawei Smart Scale, um, which is quite impressive actually for that price because the Smart Scale on its own is like a thousand bucks. Yeah, it's just an elongated Apple Watch wannabe running the Huawei software, 96 different workout modes, built-in GPS, which is great, heart rate monitor, sleep monitor, SpO2, um, there's blood oxygen, stress monitoring, message reminders, personal assistance, all uh, of sorry, those things, 3,000 One bucks. more time, what's it called? The Huawei Watch Fit. And it's really an elegant thing. You just have to deal with that awful Huawei um, 
software. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid it is a bit problematic. Yeah, I'm I'm a very happy Huawei fitness user, fitness product user. I've had more than one of its watch products, and I'm sold on that. So I'm not turning back. I've now accumulated over a year's worth of data using the the Huawei Watch GT series. So um, I'm all up for that. And um, just to skip back to my anchor power core 13,000 battery block power bank that I was describing, um, I can't get a South African price. I've got the US price as $32, which equivalent is roughly 550 Rand. So even if it's a little more than that, let's say it's 650 Rand, I still think you've got a bargain here in the anchor power core 13,000 power bank, which has got high high velocity, high amperage outputs, two of them, and 13,000 milliamp hour battery in there, which is huge, in a really nice portable package. Okay, that's me finding on and on. On on loot, I'm finding 620 run, which sounds a bit low. Sounds about right. Yeah. I know, but it's $32, so that does translate about roughly, yeah. Yeah. So on Hmm. loot, you can get it for that. And then, Gavin, you've been playing around with the Huawei MateBook D15. Is that the AMD-powered one? Uh, it is. I'm afraid I can't give you too much feedback on that just at the moment. I've just done a sort of a very basic hands-on with it at the moment. So, you know, the power button's got a fingerprint sensor. It's got three USB-A, which is great. It feels fantastic. It's a full magnesium alloy body. Um, the... Webcam is one of those that's built into the keyboard, so you pop it up and then it looks up your nose, exactly like Lindsay and I really describe. Yeah, nose cam. So we don't dig that, but it allows you to depress the camera, so to close it up, you know, if you're very security minded. That unfortunately is as far as I've got with it so far. Feels fantastic in hand. I believe it's 1.5 k's, uh, 1.5 kilos, and the starting price is about 13,500 rand. That's as far as I've got with it so far, but I'll give you more feedback in time to come. Okay. okay I'm going to backtrack on something a little yes. bit. So I pretty much ran the dual screen LG experience in my ah. LG G8X ThinQ. Mm. And then I received a working 100% functional dual screen attachment, not the glitchy <laughs> mess that I had. And right. while I am... The only thing that is holding me from switching to that phone full time and rocking that dual screen attachment is the fact that LG South Africa has still not updated the G8 series um, to Android 10. And I want my full screen gestures, man. I cannot yeah, live without okay. it. It irritates me that that is the one thing in my arsenal that re- reverts to like the old style navigation. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, LG, for panning your device. I'm going to make it up to you. Going to make a video. Another thing I want to make a video about, the other thing that was in our little Spark 5 launch box was the HiPods H2. And they they look like Samsung Galaxy Buds, but not as heavy, not as technically advanced, mm. um, laggy as all hell on the Bluetooth. <laughs> but I think... Excellent, excellent, excellent value if you're just looking to dip your toes into the truly wireless earbuds. um, Yeah. I mean, just this past week, I was updating the best headphone pages on Tech Radar, and I realized that true wireless earbuds are now pretty much becoming the de facto standard for earbuds, actually. You'd be kind of foolish to buy earbuds with a cable at this point, since there are so many options for true wireless buds. And actually, I mean, from where I started using these five years ago, the technology has now increased so much that your range is great, your connectivity is still pretty good, and so on. The uh, increasingly, I'm putting store in the size of the box that they come in, the size and the shape of and the, of the box, because of course the sh- size and shape of the box are not just the cradle; they also the charging dock, so they carry you know, spare power for your buds in that box. And as a result, I find the box is the easiest thing to like slip into my pocket when I'm going somewhere. I don't know if I'm going to end up standing in a queue. So I always just slip a pair of true wireless buds into my pocket. And so the size and the packaging on that box cradle thing actually matters to me. And I find the size of these uh, techno buds, the the box is really nice shape. Mm. 
that's been my experience of it so far. Just the mm. tragedy, and and I'll, I'll explain myself. Um, that it charges the box, the case charges via micro USB. Um, yeah. I was away last week, and you know you pack for a week away, so you pack like charging for everybody's devices and everything. And I get to the other side, and I'm unpacking, and I have this massive like multi USB charging thing. Um, with like a wireless charger bolt in and I'm packing this thing and I'm starting to plug in like the foot chargers and like everything so that no one has to worry about it. And right. I find out I forgot a micro USB cable, um, which only my son's Samsung Galaxy tablet uses. Needs, and okay. Uh -huh. Thankfully, he is quite light on, on, his, on, his, on his kind of digital screen time. Um, and like the battery on, on, on the, on the tab A's are quite good. So we didn't need to recharge, but that is a, I'm at this point now where micro USB is becoming like the thing that I hate the most. Yeah. I know what you're saying. It's like you have these legacy devices that you have to kind of keep going. Yeah. 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 Well, I like, think it's going to be with us for a while. Still. Yes, I, I, I think so. And yeah. Um, Again, if you're shopping for a new device above, over and above, like like 5G and 120 hertz display is something you should not be thinking about. <laughs> we totally need to discuss that in next podcast, 120 hertz display, because I'm sure the it's, listeners don't even really understand what we're talking about. We're going to break it down. 5G is like yeah. one step above that, like just a sand grain above that in the rubbish pile that you should not be concerned <laughs> But <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but, but but the problem is, I think the reason they're still putting uh, micro USB ports into things like wireless earbuds and is because at the entry level, people have still got those cables and that infrastructure in place. Their car chargers are still running on micro USB. The cable they've got plugged into their PC is still micro USB, and so they're kind of supporting this legacy system for entry level budget conscious shoppers. I think that's what's going on. So where do you stand on not including the power brick on higher tier devices? Because now, no, like, see, there's no more I'm, headphones, there's no more power yeah. brick now, like, you're just getting a phone and a cable. Yeah, I'm 100% on that. But of course, we can say that because we've got tons of spare stuff, you know. For some people, it might be really important to have, you know, extra charges or whatever. You and I have got, like, so much spare stuff that we don't even notice. You know, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I, looking I, at a, at a charging brick support. that's plugged into a wall now that doesn't even have a cable in it. It's just yeah. like my spare one at my yeah. desk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we're going to go to hell for all our excesses, not to mention all our e-waste. Yeah. Yes, yes. But okay. you see, we don't create that much e-waste because we hold on to everything. And going yeah. back to like my, my USB charging hub thing, I have another one. I think it was still like a power monkey one. So it's right. like the older one was like a max output of 2.1. Um, but even my, so the, the adapter, because of ESCOM's load shading, the adapter for my daughter's keyboard is gone with the wind. And luckily the DC adapter wow. is the same as the one that works for my charging hub. So now my wife is very happy that I don't have this charging hub monstrosity in the bedroom <laughs> anymore. But uh, now I've had to go back to like the, the power gorilla. And so I have the wireless charger and the, the fast the Samsung fast wireless charger and the power gorilla with like four cables coming from it that charges like <laughs> all the other accessories so like my Fitbit like the iPhone that we leave in my kids' rooms at night to play music and like yeah, the yeah, mosquito yeah. lamp and like yeah, those yeah. things. So now with a V that doesn't do wireless charging, it's like I don't have another. Oh, I see. Okay. Damn. Cable and it's like wow, guys. And I was um, actually this morning I was I was evaluating my my charging infrastructure and yeah it's a, it's a mess man. Um, can I just check on something? Did you receive Samsung's UV box? Yes, you know I what did. I'm talking about? You did. Yes, the little, Interesting. Little coffin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I've, I've had those before, but this one's actually got wireless charging inside. But I think we're gonna if we end up discussing that we're gonna go way over. So because I there is still one more thing I want to talk about. If yes, I could, my, my sure, how-to yeah. tip for the week. Um, Bluetooth, right? Here's your work-from-home tip, okay? Bluetooth headphones. Bluetooth has a function called multipoint, 
which means that your Bluetooth headset can connect with more than one Bluetooth device. It could connect with two phones or with a PC and a phone. You know, your Bluetooth can connect with multiple devices. But it's implemented very badly and very sketchily on different kinds of headsets. Only the serious high-end headsets and headsets designed for professionals have good multipoint. What is the point of multipoint? For me, the point of multipoint is that I can have one headset that's connected to the PC and to the phone at the same time so that I can do the YouTube video, watch the YouTube video, do the web conference, the Zoom call on the PC. But when a phone call comes in, I don't have to change headsets. I can just take that call all on one headset. And that only works if your Bluetooth multipoint headset is working properly. So I've struggled to find good Bluetooth multipoint headsets because this is not advertised anywhere properly. You kind of have to do a trial and error. And the more, the more money you pay for your headset, the better chance there is of doing multipoint. And um, the one headset that did it superbly well that I used was the Sennheiser HD360, which is called a Unified Communications Headset, UC, that's designed specifically for this purpose. People who want to use their headset for voice calls and for music and for Zoom calls and for YouTube, everything. And it just connects with everything all at once, which is really good, but it's hard to achieve. So now I'm looking for multi-point earbuds, Bluetooth earbuds, that will do the same thing as the headset, except with buds, because I'm finding that when you put your headset on at the beginning of the day, it's going to be on for several hours. And it doesn't matter what headset you've got, eventually your ears and your head starts getting sore. But earbuds I'm finding are much more comfortable to wear for extended periods. So I'm now looking for Bluetooth multi-point buds that will work with the PC and the phone simultaneously. Samsung, to you with your shopping. Samsung mm. Galaxy Buds and Galaxy Buds Plus do that really well. Yes. AKG Y500. Um, that That's what you've got, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That <laughs> does it exceptionally well as well. Um, Those are like on-ears, right? They, they're yeah, on downside, yeah. downside of the AKGs is they charge via micro USB. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, so look out for Bluetooth really multipoint. As yeah. I think I'm glad you gave us some options there. I'd actually forgotten about those Galaxy Buds Plus. The original Galaxy Buds, Lindsay panned them for their voice call quality, but the Buds Plus were much, much improved. So there is yes. that. Um, then Sony with the 1000X Mark Threes, right. those noise cancelling earphones didn't support it. But then with the Mark Fours, they do support it now. Um, so if you're picking up like high-end noise cancelling, those are the ones to 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 look out for. And yeah, Gavin, I am Lindsay Shooters. I am Sharpshooters on social media. S-H-A-R-P-S-E-H-U-T-T-E-R-S. I am That Opinion Guy on the internet. That Opinion Guy is where you find me on YouTube. That Opinion Guy.co.za is where you find me on the website. Website is kicking into gear from this week, from tomorrow, actually. And yeah, I'll be much more active on there. Devin, where does everybody find you? Well, all over the place, but probably the best way to find out what I'm doing at the moment is to check out the Tech Radar South Africa site. You will get there automatically if you just type in techradar.com. But from there, what I recommend is you go to the search box and you can look up any category you want using the search box, but not just random search. I'm recommending you go best fitness trackers, best cheap phones, best wireless headsets. And you will get my definitive list of what I think is worth owning right there. Okay. That's my story. Cool. I'm out. <laughs>